On today's episode of the Closet Champion Podcast, we are covering a difficult topic. I am going to pay tribute to a few of the amazing wrestlers that we've lost in 2020. With everything these athletes sacrificed for us, it seems only fitting that we take some time to look back and appreciate everything that these performers and athletes did to entertain us through the years. This is the 2020 Closet Champion Tribute Show. gentlemen and welcome to the closet champion podcast i am your host the reigning rarely defending highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts mike mueller and this is a somber episode today but i feel it's an important one as we're looking to put a wrap on perhaps the most miserable year in most of our lives i want to look back on some of the great talent that we lost in 2020 i'm going to go chronologically through the year as it's the easiest way to organize this and i don't want it to feel like some really morbid top 10 list But I'm going to talk about the performers that we lost, uh, their impact or legacy in the business, and I'm also going to list the cause of death, which might sound weird, but I have a good reason. I think so often when we talk about wrestlers dying, there's this stigma of, oh, it must have been a drug or alcohol-related death, something with addiction. Uh, that sort of attitude seems to permeate the conversation, and with good reason. You know, it seems like we lose a lot of people from the wrestling business at far too young of an age, and it's mostly because of struggles with addiction. But what I noticed when I was compiling this list is none of these people that we lost, uh, we lost to drug or alcohol issues, at least not directly. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that uh, at the end of this episode, but for now, let's uh, get into it and let's start remembering some of the greats. Uh, first, in January, January 15th, we lost Rocky Johnson. Uh, didn't take long in the year for these things to start. Rocky Johnson is probably best known for being The Rock's dad, but beyond that, I mean, this guy was really a true trailblazer of the time. He was half of the first black tag team champions in the WWF, along with Tony Atlas, so some very groundbreaking stuff there. Uh, he had the Soul Man gimmick, which um, could could seem a little racist or, or cheesy, but they did a good job with it, and it really was a tribute to him. It was a, it was a title of honor, and he, he played it well. He had the great look, the afro and the mustache, and just really was that, that cool, hip sort of character. And without him, without the soul man, I don't think we have people like Ron Simmons, the first black heavyweight champion. I don't think we have the New Day. I don't think we have Mark Henry. You know, every sport advances at its own pace and its own time. I mean, look at hockey. Hockey is still 99% white guys. And that'll change one day. And it's changing slowly now. But there have to be these pivotal moments and these big time uh, 
people that you can associate with the advancing of a movement. And I think that Rocky Johnson, fortunately, his legacy is really advancing um, the perception of black athletes in what was a very predominantly white sport at the time. So I think that is ultimately what we're going to remember Rocky Johnson for. And then uh, after Rocky, we actually we had a little bit of a break, and then we lost our next legend in April, uh, Howard Finkel. The Fink, uh, no cause of death officially listed, but he did have a stroke in 2018, and he was sort of struggling to recover ever since then. Um, the Fink was straight up the voice of the WWF from the very beginning. He was the first employee hired by Vincent Kennedy McMahon, after he bought the company from his father. And he just was there for all the big moments, for all the WrestleManias. So many things that, you know, and new World Wrestling Federation champion. You know, so many big moments were narrated by the Fink. And, I mean, he was so popular. They worked him into storylines, multiple storylines. He had two matches on Monday Night Raw and a match on SmackDown. The ring announcer. He also had a match at Madison Square Garden. So, like, this is not just somebody holding a microphone. This guy was a personality. And he was someone that even, depending on their age, even if they're a casual wrestling fan, they almost certainly know the name. And if they don't know the name, they know the voice. And that legendary voice that I'm always going to associate with WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, if you say wrestling announcer, I'm going to say the Fink every time. And I don't think that's ever going to change. I think he will go down as the most important or significant ring announcer in the history of the business. Uh, and if I'm wrong, that's awesome because that means someone's going to come along that's going to be even more iconic. But I just don't see how anyone will ever be more iconic than the Fink. Uh, that guy owned that role. Uh, after the Fink, uh, we get into May and we have, it's hard to quantify tragedy, but these might be the two most tragic, uh, just because of the age and the circumstances. Uh, first on May 17th, uh, we lost Shad Gaspard, uh, mostly known for his time in WWE as Crime Time, uh, partners with JTG, and he did some stuff, but, uh, this this was truly tragic because uh, Shad was actually uh, lost at sea, I guess is the way that you would describe it. Um, he literally died saving his son's life. Uh, it was a situation where they were you know, stranded, capsized, and at, in the moment, he only had the ability to save himself or his son. And of course, he chose to save his son. And by the time they came back for him, uh, they couldn't find him. He was gone. He's not, you know, he was kind of dealt a crap hand in WWE with the crime time gimmick. It was very offensive um, depiction of black people as, you know, thieves. And I thought it was a major step back. Uh, sort of distasteful looking back on it in the same way that you see like Slick or Kamala being used. Um, it wasn't the best. But, you know, that being said, these guys were over and they made it work. And they were an integral part of the tag team wrestling division at that time. Uh, very, very entertaining, uh, really innovative moves, innovative look. Uh, they had a lot going for them. They stuck out, and uh, how could someone like Shad not stick out? The dude's massive, but ultimately he's going to be remembered for being a hero and for being the 
best dad that someone could possibly be. Uh, he was a great man, a great father, and you know the world is a little worse off without him for sure. So he will very much be missed. And another person that's going to be missed is someone that we lost less than a week after that. Um, Hannah Kimura died at 23 um, from suicide. She took her own life. She really hadn't broke out in the United States yet. I don't know a whole lot about her, but just the worldwide adoration that people seem to have for her kind of told me everything that I needed to know. Just the outpouring of support and, and just so many people were so shook by this. And she had touched so many lives in such a short period of time that it's it's really tragic. Um, I did look up a couple of her matches and uh, listened to a few of her interviews. Uh, she was charismatic. She was an incredible talent. And, you know, she, she had her issues. And unfortunately, she succumbed to them. And I, I hate to keep using the word tragic, but it really is. Um, I do want to encourage all of you uh, to find someone to talk to if you're having, you know, dark thoughts or if you're just going through a bad time. Always reach out to someone. Um, also, I think the lesson we need to learn from this is ignore the haters, especially on social media. Uh, the black button is my best friend on Facebook and Twitter. I love it. Well, Twitter's black is not really the same, but it you got to ignore that because the more the more famous you get, the more people are going to try to tear you down. Uh, I think that's something that um, a lot of people can't handle. I think it was a major contributing factor. Uh, bullying, I mean, let's call it what it is, it's bullying. And just because you're an adult doesn't mean you're not subject to it. Um, there's a lot of bullies out there, especially behind, you know, the anonymity of a keyboard really, really makes some people feel bold and brave when they're nothing but little cowards. Um, but, you know, words hurt, words matter, and they get to you. Unfortunately, they got to Hannah. Uh, we're, we're not going to know all the amazing things that she could have accomplished, and it's really sad. Um, so I, I think that's her legacy, is, is we're going we're gonna to take this, and we're going to learn from it, and we're going to talk about issues that we're having. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a dude you know, you can, you can still, you can still be hurting and you can still reach out to people. Uh, so please reach out to somebody if, if you're feeling any sort of way. Uh, after Hannah, we lost a, a pair of legends in August. First, we lost Kamala on August 9th. Uh, he was a diabetic and his condition worsened a lot after contracting COVID. Um, official cause of death is cardiac arrest, but all three of those things kind of worked hand in hand to unfortunately take out a good one. Uh, I talked about him in more depth in an earlier episode uh, shortly after he passed away, but I do want to reiterate the most important thing about Kamala, uh, the character and the legacy for me was Kamala was that horrible stereotype of Africans that I talked about earlier. You know, he was portrayed as someone who was more or less someone with a mean streak and a mental disability. He was stupid and needed to be guided and all, all these really, really horrible uh, depictions of people. You know, he was the uncivilized African tribesman, which is disgusting. Uh, but the redeeming quality of it is that face turn of Kamala in 92-93, I think is one of the sweetest, most humane, three-dimensional stories the WWF ever told in that time period. 
you know, getting U.S. wrestling fans who, as we stated earlier, are predominantly white and a lot of them have a reputation of not being the most cultured or tolerant of people, you know, to get these people to gain sympathy for the scary, dumb villain that they just spent the last 10 years booing, uh, that was pretty special and that was pretty cool. The fact that Kamala got over in any sort of way as a face um, is just, it's so sweet to me and I love it and that is a testament uh, to James and what he was able to do uh, as just a, a great, great performer. Uh, and then a little later in the month, we lost Bullet Bob Armstrong, uh, died of bone cancer. He is a 2011 Hall of Fame member. It, this is going to all be about numbers with Bullet Bob. Bullet Bob was before my time, but back in the territory days when there was, you know, a million incarnations of the NWA, Bullet Bob Armstrong held 58 titles throughout the NWA territories. Um, and while that's an incredible, and that's not even all of the titles that he held, he held other titles for uh, organizations that were not affiliated with the NWA. But even more than all of those titles, Bullet Bob's legacy is going to be his family. Uh, it's his children. And I think when you say someone's greatest legacy is their children, I think that might be the greatest thing that you can say about a person. Uh, and when we talk about iconic, great wrestling families, you know, we talk about, you know, the hearts and the Von Erichs and the Anawais and the Guerreros and the Funks, but people don't talk about the Armstrongs. And I just want to say Bullet Bob had four kids uh, that all went on to have incredible careers. Really, you look at it, uh, he had Scott Armstrong, who you would know him, if you watch wrestling today, you would recognize him because he's still a, a referee, I believe, in the WWE. Uh, on top of that, he was NWA Georgia Tag Team Champions with his father, a five-time NWA Southeastern Junior Heavyweight Champion, a two-time World Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, this is probably the least successful <laughs> of the guys. Well, maybe Steve, but you had Scott, then you had Steve, who, if you watched WWF in the 90s, you would know him as an enhancement talent. Um, but even Steve found success in the tag team division with Tracy Smothers, who unfortunately we lost uh, this year as well, and I'm also going to talk about in WCW. He was also tag team champions in championship wrestling from Florida. Yeah, he was tag champs with his dad, Bullet Bob, in global championship wrestling. So there you go. There's the two less, least successful members of the Armstrong family that I just listed. And between just those two, I think they've got about 14 titles. And then you go on from that, and then you got Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong, PWI and Wrestling Observer's Rookie of the Year. Wrestling Observer's Most Underrated Wrestler in 1987. WCW Light Heavyweight Champion. USWA Heavyweight Champion. NWA Georgia Heavyweight Champion. And then after his wrestling career, he went on to be a producer for the WWE right up until the moment of his death. So, And he was even wrestling sporadically in the later years of his life. So then you've got Brad, and then... God, how do you top that? How does a, an incredibly decorated uh, wrestler sire another child after these three that would go on to do anything even close to what the other three accomplished? Well, his youngest is Brian Armstrong, and you probably know him better as the Road Dog. And I don't need to get into everything that the Road Dog's done in this business and continues to do in this business. So Bullet Bob, for everything that he did uh, in, in his life, I think he did even more in the future generations by giving us so many incredibly talented uh, and entertaining 
uh, sons that contributed so much to this industry. So I think you have to talk about the Armstrong family when you talk about uh, great wrestling families. And unfortunately this year we, we lost the patriarch of that. So Bullet Bob uh, will be missed and his impact on wrestling is undeniable. Then after that, uh, we go into September where we lost a really shocking one for me. Uh, Road Warrior Animal passed away. When Hawk passed away in 2003, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Hegstrand, when he passed, I don't think too many people were surprised. Again, going back to that, you know, wrestlers having drugs and alcohol dependency, he was definitely one of them. Uh, but Animal, I did not see coming at all. That was a huge surprise. You know, anytime you saw footage of him uh, or interviews or seeing him at like, uh, you know, conventions or autograph signings, he always seemed to have his stuff together. He looked like he was in good shape. He didn't look, you know, strung out. He, he always seemed like he had it going on. You weren't worried about him in the same way that you're worried about like Jake Roberts or Scott Hall when you saw them at some of those events. Although both of those guys have turned it around now too, which is awesome. Um, but he, <laughs> James Laurinaitis, Road Warrior Animal, technically died of natural causes, but the guy was only 60. So I don't know how that's really possible, but man, how rough of a beating does this industry do on your body that you can die of natural causes like 10 days after your 60th birthday? Um, you know, his legacy, again, Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, a lot of people say the greatest tag team of all time. You know, I definitely, I think anybody that has a brain puts them in their top 10. A lot of people put them at number one. I personally remember them most for their feud that wasn't, because we never got a real payoff between them and Demolition. And then, of course, their match with Money, Inc. At, uh, to open up SummerSlam 92 when they came down on the motorcycles. I thought that was so cool. Uh, that's what I know them from. Most, uh, most of the diehards uh, will tell you that their best work was earlier in the 80s. Uh, first in the AWA, uh, that was based out of Minneapolis, one of the best territories from that time, and I'll fight anybody on that. And then, of course, their massive success with the NWA and WCW in the mid to late 80s. And they continued going on for a long time. They kept coming back. Uh, there was always a spot for them. You know, the Road Warrior pop, loudest thing in wrestling, louder than Austin, louder than John Cena when he was popular, louder than anybody. Uh, so... They'll definitely, some of the, the toughest hits, some of the most brutal matches, crazy scaffold matches, really, really memorable. God, they, they did so many groundbreaking things in the industry, and they had such an incredible look. You know, in a time when a lot of pro wrestlers were just kind of like the, you know, the big, fat, you know, giant guys, these guys were ripped to shreds, and they would beat the actual crap out of you. And you could tell it translated in the ring. Uh, so Animal definitely changed the look of what a pro wrestler could be and what a tag team could be. Uh, unfortunately, we've now lost both of the Road Warriors with Animal passing away. And then into October, just a few days before Halloween, actually October 28th, uh, we lost Tracy Smothers to lymphoma. I mainly knew Tracy from his time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling in the mid-90s, uh, three-time TV champ, tag team champion, two-time world heavyweight champion, um, I knew him a little bit from then because I was watching that would come in on one of those you know, WDET channels. Uh, but mostly I remember him from ECW when he was part of the FBI, the full-blooded Italians, which is great because he's not at all. Uh, 
Uh, it was a comedic role. It was something very different from the uh, sort of image that Tracy Smothers had earlier in his career. But, you know, damn it if he didn't pull it off brilliantly. And then, of course, you know, when the bell would sound, unlike a lot of people in ECW, they're great as long as the bell doesn't ring. You know, they're great looks. They, they get engaged with the crowd, but they're not the best workers. Tracy Smothers was a great, great worker. Um, he actually, he ranked in the best singles wrestlers of the PWI years, which I think unofficially was between about 1980 and 2003. So he was on their best of that two, two decade run. Uh, he wrestled and held titles literally all over the world. If you go to his Wikipedia page and look at his championships and accomplishments, it's just a mile long. So he's one of those guys that I think to the casual fan, they may not know him. Maybe they remember him from ECW. But you look at what that guy did and uh, another one that after he passed, just the outpour of support and the emotions that came from people that I wouldn't have expected to be that tight with Tracy Smothers, you know, someone from that era. Uh, his his impact was felt, you know, all the way up until his death. He was still, people were learning from him. And uh, he struggled for quite a while with lymphoma. And um, it, it's it's never good when someone passes. But if anyone on this list uh, is, is probably doing better now, uh, it would be Tracy because he struggled for a long time. And, and I'm glad that he's not struggling anymore. And then that takes us up until uh, just last week when we lost Pat Patterson to liver failure. Uh, it's This death uh, struck a chord with me in particular the most. Um, before I get into what Pat Patterson meant to me, I'm just going to say, uh, do yourself a favor. Go listen to the Something to Wrestle With podcast uh, with Bruce Pritchard because they just did like a two-hour-long episode and it's just Bruce telling stories about him and Pat and growing up because he was one of Pat's very best friends. So I learned a lot from him uh, in that podcast, and it was really fun to listen to. Uh, I personally didn't know about Pat Patterson until the Attitude Era when he was one of the Stooges with Gerald Briscoe. And I hated him because, you know, you're supposed to hate, you know, the Stooges. They're Stooges. But also being Stooges, you kind of can't help but, you know, enjoy him a little bit and laugh with slash at them and some of their antics but man they were entertaining as hell he's so funny had great comedic timing and they i love that they gave him the nod uh of course he was hardcore champion and 24 7 champion but most importantly pat patterson was the first ever intercontinental champion winning the most prestigious wrestling tournament that's ever happened in the history of our sport it happened in rio de janeiro don't look it up don't bother looking it up. Just trust me. And I'm, I'm quoting Pat directly, so you don't even have to trust me. Just trust Pat. It was the who's who of wrestling, and Pat Patterson destroyed them all in a way that only Pat can. Uh, don't look it up. Just take his word for it. Greatest tournament ever. Um, but uh, the reason Pat passing, at least for me, is so significant is, of course, you know, being first Intercontinental Champion, but it was also kind of the first prominently openly gay person in wrestling and you know the stereotypes that exist about wrestling fans and them maybe not being the most tolerant or cultured or progressive people that certainly can extend to the locker room itself especially in the 70s and 80s not not a great time to be an openly gay person uh, especially in an industry like that 
it certainly wasn't an easy road for Pat, but you know he was he was true to who he was. He wasn't ashamed, but he also wasn't screaming from the top of the mountain either, um, which I thought was very admirable. He kind of just lived his life true to who he was, and he never felt the need to get on a soapbox, nor did he ever feel the need to hide or live a lie. He simply was who he was. He was himself. And just by being that, it changed the views of so many people inside of wrestling that I think that's going to ultimately be his greatest legacy is, again, another person like Rocky Johnson we talked about earlier, changing the way people viewed uh, African-Americans and as a respected athlete and wrestler. Pat Patterson changed a lot of people's views and opened a lot of people's eyes um, that, you know, someone can be gay and it's not scary, it's not wrong, it's not bad. Uh, they're not going to try to corner you in the locker room. They're not these weird, evil people. They're humans. We're all human. And uh, Pat Patterson taught that lesson to a lot of people at a time when a lot of people didn't want to learn that lesson. So uh, it's a good nod to Pat. And uh, one last thing I want to say before I wrap this episode up is the average age of death in the United States is 78 and a half. And Pat Patterson was the only person on this list that even made it to that age. And while I feel like there's more help than ever for people, anybody, uh, everyday Joes or pro wrestlers, there's more help than ever for people that are struggling with addictions, and that's great. But I still think more needs to be done for some of these guys. I mean, Kamala had a GoFundMe set up to try to save his house. Tracy Smothers had a GoFundMe set up to pay for his medical bills. And obviously the WWE can't pay for everybody's insurance and homes for the rest of their lives if they come in and, and give two years to the industry. Um, but this does bring up a very good question of why isn't more being done for these guys while they're in the industry? Why? I'm not, I'm not saying we got to unionize. I'd like to see it, but you don't even have to go that far. It's just, why aren't retirement funds and long-term planning being afforded to these guys? Why aren't they being forced to learn? You know, I think it's, I think it's the NFL. It might be the NBA, but the NFL has a class that was offered to first-year players about, you know, how to budget and how to finance and how to make this money last for the rest of your life. And it was optional. It wasn't promoted very heavily. It was there, but a lot of these guys didn't do it because they didn't feel like they had to. They thought they were going to be making this money for the rest of their lives. And that's very true for wrestling, too. You get into the WWE, you think you made it. You're making more money than you've ever made in your life. You can afford more than you've ever made in your life. But you're not thinking that if you have a great run, if you have a great Hall of Fame run in the WWE, that's what? Maybe 10, 15 years? You know, if you want to make it, if you want, <laughs> if you want to defy the odds of wrestling and actually make it to the average life expectancy of someone in the United States, then you, you got to know how to plan and you got to know how to save and put away. And when that class stopped being optional in the NFL and started being mandatory, uh, the number of people, like there was a study, and I God, I wish I had it in front of me. I didn't know I was going to be talking about this in the moment. Um, but they said that usually after someone left the NFL, they like a disturbing number of them filed for bankruptcy within five. It was like over twenty percent of people 
like less than five years after leaving the NFL, filed for bankruptcy. And then once that class became mandatory, that number was like more than cut in half. It was a fraction of what it used to be. And I think at the very least, let's start there. Let's start some mandatory budgeting and, you know, long-term care for these wrestlers because it shouldn't be up to the fans to support them. I supported Kamala's page, but I don't think that should really be up to us. I think they should be set up for more long-term success than they are. Anyway, okay, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. I'm going to be back very soon with a new top 10 list and my final predictions episode of the year, so look out for that. As always, follow me on Facebook and Twitter, at Closet Champ. You know, like, comment, subscribe, do all those great things. All of that stuff really helps. Leave a review with if you're listening on uh, Stitcher or Apple or Google or Spotify, however you listen, if you're able to leave a review, uh, it really helps my visibility. And I'm closing in on 1,500 views, which or 1,500 listens. Nobody's viewing this. It's an audio file, Mike. But 1,500 listens, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And everything that you guys do to help support me, I really, really appreciate it. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. Until next time, I am your reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcast, Mike Mueller. And I'm going to take the count-out loss and get out of here with the belt. And tell somebody you love them today. You'll both be glad you did. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.